0: This week's episode of the Feminist Survival Project 2020 is brought to you by Kensington Books, publisher of The Rebellious Rancher, the third book in the Millers of Morgan Valley series by Kate Pierce. A rough-around-the-edges cowboy and a pampered actress on a camping adventure must find common ground in order to survive the elements of the wild and each other. Silver Meadows believes she's preparing for a serious dramatic role, one that will free her from her controlling parents. She's certainly not going to be controlled by Ben Miller. Ben has been hired to lead her out into the middle of nowhere on his family's dude ranch to learn how to survive. He's determined to teach her to fend for herself, and he quickly discovers she's more than a pampered pretty face. Can a jet-setting movie star and a homebody cowboy find the best of both worlds? Kate Pierce is a New York Times and USA Today bestselling author known for her unconventional heroes and her joy for subverting romance cliches. The Rebellious Rancher is available wherever books are sold. Find out more at (laughs) kensingtonbooks.com. Welcome to another episode of the Feminist Survival Project. It's a podcast for any feminist who feels overwhelmed and exhausted by everything they have to do and still worries that they are not doing enough. And this week's episode is uh, going to be led by Amelia because she's going to be teaching me about something I, uh, frankly, don't understand. Okay. Hi. We're going to talk about Shadow. We're talking about it because you suggested it. Do you remember that? Yeah. Why were you thinking it would be useful? There were some comments in the Instagram about it. Ah, cool. So let's talk about it, because I I do find it useful. Shadow is a Jungian psychology concept. Jung really believed in archetypes, and that there's a kind of universal human perception of reality, and that the shadow is one of those universal things that we all have. We all have a shadow. It's a kind of opposite self, a mirror. How it has worked for me in my understanding, uh, ways that I can make it easier to exist in the world, is it's the thing that you hate most about yourself. When you perceive it in another person, it triggers a rage in you that is really not just rage at the thing, but also self-hatred at the same time. And I know that in my life, the times that I have felt that kind of extraordinary rage, it has never just been about what the person has done. It has also been about my fear that that is also me, that I am capable of that too. Make sense? Yep. I actually first encountered this idea in the seventh grade. Uh, Our friend from dance class Gina was reading a book I forget what book and basically she said just that people that we hate our worst enemies are mirrors we see in them the thing we hate most in ourselves, and that is why it has nothing to do with them it's who we are that makes the difference yeah for me this is best illustrated by a woman I have known in my life who I hate who has actually done bad things to me and made my life harder and I hate her because she has hurt me but I know that I would not feel such rage about her if I didn't also recognize that a lot of the traits of the things that make her so effective at hurting me are traits that I share and that I am fully capable of, ablo- of employing against others. Yes. Yeah. Um. You know that one of the ways I like to talk about perceiving things as real is... And to see them, recognize them in the world is talking about artistic expressions of them. We all know that Star Wars is made up 100% of archetypes. It's one of the reasons why Star Wars feels so mythic, so large scale, so university recognizable and draws us into the story the way a religious myth does. It uses these archetypes of the young hero and the evil bad guy dressed in like literally shadowy black. You know, <laughs> Darth Vader, like literally Luke goes into the cave on Dagobah and cuts the head off of Darth Vader and the mask opens and it's Luke's own face. (laughs) That's Shadow. You see yourself in your worst enemy, completely literally in Return of the Jedi. Or is it Empire? I just watched the rise of skywalker yesterday yeah. because i gave up on pop culture a little while ago but i was taking a break because i had finished a project and so i was like i'm gonna go watch a movie Meep. and uh so i mean obviously kylo ren is ray's shadow yep and and i'm gonna go ahead and spoil the shit out of this so skip ahead 30 seconds if you are not interested in knowing but at the end of the movie kylo ren brings ray back to life yeah And then dies. Yeah. And one of the things about one of the, one of the few things. So like, I know that shadow is what you hate in the people you hate most is actually the thing you hate most in yourself or the thing that is most discordant with your sort of ego self, your sense of identity and who you are. Uh And the other thing is that in order to integrate shadow, the, the way, the thing to do about shadow is to integrate it into your identity, to fight less hard against it and allow it to be a part of you. Exactly. It's the same answer as everything. Turn to God one with Kindness and it. compassion. God damn. Compassion. Why can't there just be something that I'm allowed to hate and destroy because it doesn't belong in the world? I wish I had an answer. Well, Audrey Lord does. Okay. The master's tools will never dismantle the master's house. Yeah? Hating and destroying something is precisely what put us in this situation. And it is, though it is unfair and it calls for people who want to create positive change in the world, are obliged to do labor above and beyond simply fighting the ordinary fight, this whole kindness and compassion bullshit yeah. is not the master's tools. Master has contempt for those tools. The good news is that when you do this work of turning toward the things you hate most about yourself, in order to make you more able to fight the good fight outside yourself and fix other people. It also benefits you. It makes you feel better. So it has immediate benefit. Yes. Cause because it helps to create greater distance between you and the thing that is egodystonic. When palpatine is all like Ray, your hatred yeah. will power the Sith, kill me with hatred. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean it couldn't be more literal. Yeah. Did they just take like a Jungian textbook and like hang a bunch of adventure movie oh, yeah. cliches on top of it? Yeah. It was not great. My my review of it is, is not, <laughs> it's not great. Even in Mandalorian, which is a, a live-action series in the Star Wars universe, it's eight episodes in one season. And in episode one, the first like fifteen minutes we learned the Mandalorian hates droids he's the like he's the hero he's sort of a byronic hero but he hates droids because a droid tried to kill him when he was a child sorry for the spoiler but the thing he hates about droids is that the droids are his shadow it's who he is afraid he is a cold killer with no heart no compassion so he kills a droid in the first episode because that droid tries to kill a child and then he spends the rest of the series trying to protect the child At the end of the series, in the last two episodes, the killer hunter droid gets reprogrammed by the wise old man archetype character, and that wise old man programs the droid to become a nurse droid. The nurse droid ends up sacrificing himself for the baby, and also the nurse droid saves the Mandalorian's life, because the Mandalorian... What does he do? He turns toward the droid with kindness and compassion and lets him in and trusts him and makes himself vulnerable to the android. Saves his life. Yeah. I mean, it just couldn't be more Yeah, it just couldn't be clearer. They. Yeah. And Star Wars does shadow extremely transparently. Like, Rey literally changes her name from Palatine to Skywalker. Yeah. Yeah. Like, okay, that's how fully you have integrated your shadow. Yeah, we have it they fought side by side at the end <laughs> oh my god yeah. and also the other thing is that even though i think it seems like in rise of skywalker everybody has forgotten everything that happened in the last jedi yeah they've just like just it just pretend that movie didn't happen yeah but rose at the end of that movie says this is how we win not by fighting against what we hate but by fighting for what we love yeah, And that is the same moral of the story that Rey says to her grandfather when she's all like, I'm not going to kill you because I hate you. I'm going to kill you because it's the only way to save my people. Yeah. I am all the Sith and I am all the Jedi. Yeah. I'm everyone. I'm every Jedi. It's all <laughs> me. <laughs> okay. I'm going to use one more uh, illustration of the shadow that's yeah, not Yeah, and then Star we need to, like, Wars. have real-life examples because it's easy to tell these sort of, like, mythical-level fictional magic. Okay. Because it feels above and beyond. Here's one, it's less magic-y, and that's Alexander Hamilton Burr is Hamilton's shadow. Okay. Yeah. Does it have... seem obvious, like, of course? I have not seen Hamilton. He's everything that Hamilton would hate to be and is afraid to be which is someone who's cautious and careful and of course being who hamilton is not cautious not careful comes in conflict with burr and in the end it's it's why he ends up getting killed burr is what they never they never turn toward each other to accept each other and it ends in hamilton getting killed Spoiler alert for Hamilton. If you didn't get 7th grade. (laughs) So, Burr kills Hamilton and says, now I'm the villain in your stories. I was young. I should have known. The world was wide enough for Hamilton and me. So, Burr learns a lesson too late. Hamilton was his shadow. He was Hamilton's shadow. And instead of embracing and sharing to make something better, uh, he just shot it down. Literally shot it and killed it. And now I can see that that was the wrong thing to do. Too late. Oh. Okay, so the shadow is the villain. Except the villain is also us, because everything is us. Yes. So remember in the stories, in, in all stories, you and can And Tekka the is the shadow of Moana. Since we always talk about Moana, might as well just yeah. put that right there. Except that Tekka is the madwoman. woman. Yeah, and, and the Madwoman is mad different. Woman I, was I was thinking, like, what's the it? difference between the Madwoman and the Shadow? And for me, the difference between my Madwoman and my Shadow, my Madwoman is upset, like, knows who I am and beats me up for falling short of what I'm supposed to be and uh, or is angry at the world for insisting that I be the thing that I am not. Yeah. My Shadow is the stuff that is the opposite of what I feel I am. It's different. I actually put it like it lives in my mind right with my depression. Yeah that's that's how I feel about it too. When I do shadow work, I never perceived a relationship with my shadow as it's not personified the way the mad woman can like converse with me. The, the shadow is more of a it's a an place I go. that exists. Yeah it it, it's try. an archetype. It's a platonic ideal. Of the thing that I'm afraid that I am. And so I I don't have a relationship with it. It doesn't talk to me like a character. My relationship with the shadow is this uh, state or set of characteristics that I am afraid that I have or that I know that I have and I'm afraid that I I wish I didn't. So you can give us some adjectives for what counts as shadow for you. But we definitely need to know, like, what does it feel like to be in confrontation with the Shadow? What it feels like to come in confrontation with the Shadow. Anybody I've ever talked to has described it as rage that's disproportionate to the situation. Hatred and rage that is too much relative to what's actually happening. So, if someone you know does something... So unpleasant to you and instead of just being like "Ugh, i can't believe they just did that that's terrible instead you just want to rip their fucking head off that might be because they represent something that's more than just their behavior but also something that feels like a mirror to you so for example when i was in grad school i was an assistant a teaching assistant teaching classes and one semester It was actually the fall of 2004, I remember, because reasons. Uh, There was a class held in the room right before mine. There was a 15-minute space between when that class ended and when I started. And for the first few couple weeks, when that class released and those students started leaving, I would just come right in and start setting up next to the professor, the full professor, who was uh, packing up his stuff to go. Mm -hmm. And he was so angry at me, so angry at me for being in there. He called my department head and complained about me coming in during his time. And it like, f- like I just had this big flare up. How fucking dare, his class is over. What do you mean his time? And uh, my my department head was this like really, pragmatic, calm, pretty amazing dude. And he's like, you need to divide it in half. You need to wait seven and a half minutes and then you can go in. And I did. And I spent a lot of time with my therapist, like that's so fucking crazy. It's shared time. We don't need to divide it in half precisely. It's both of our time, not one or the other. Like I was so angry. And she said, you know, You know that not everyone would feel as strongly about the situation as you do. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what? (laughs) Wouldn't everyone feel (laughs) precisely this upset about this injustice? Mm -hmm. Turns out, no. Turns out out that dude was my shadow. Yeah, But I think I was his too. Oh, yeah. Like, I just brought something out in him. And I think that might often be the case that The people who make us are, like, the most crazy-making. And for me, the experience is this sort of, like, desperate, flailing, trapped animal feeling. Yes. Yes. The fear that you are your shadow. The rage that someone is the bad thing that you have tried your whole life not to be. That's a real fight-or-flight-triggering... Intense life or death feeling, yeah. Yeah, and you have to. I mean, as is often the case, you have to separate the process of dealing with the stressor, the actual the stressor, from the process of dealing with the stress activated by the stressor. So, like, my department chair comes along and is all like, "You're just going to split the time in half. We agreed. He gets seven and a half minutes. You get seven and a half minutes." Like, that's the solution. But then I had this whole separate process of having to, like, to confront all these feelings, going to my therapist <laughs> and talking about how angry I was at this guy. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. And at the time, we didn't talk about it in terms of, like, me and my shadow. We talked about it in terms of me and my father yeah. and the ways that I was afraid of repli- Olive was yawning at me. Oh. Uh, the ways I don't want to be that energy- and how this guy like rang that bell in me yeah but uh another way to think about it is like that energy is that's that's shadow that's that's hello yeah so obviously in what way does this help us as exhausted feminists in 2020 what do we do about this whole shadow situation apart from get help from our departments chairs and our therapists What really help your department chair, your therapist? And then that's the solution. But for me, I found that this, it's liberating. It's sad and hard and heartbreaking. Uh, When you think there's an individual in my life who I will not identify. An individual who I, to this day, hate with a holy blazing rage. For the record, if you're listening to this, you are not that person. Anyway... I hate this person with a blazing rage, and it is really helpful to remember it's something in me that I'm afraid of, because that means that I don't actually believe that the person deserves to die, because I do feel when I'm in the middle of these feelings, I kind of think they should die. I I rationally know that's not true, and I wouldn't act on it, but the intensity of the emotion that I feel is disproportionate and it's not really about what the person has done it's about me and my fears and my rage and myself and it's it's helpful not to <laughs> commit murder <laughs> seems like an exaggeration but if there's anybody you've ever like really it yeah that's probably your shadow yeah we like fantasized about their death or Felt impatient or felt like it was unjust that someone else yeah. had died, but this person was still alive. That that might be that might be your shadow. It is it is helpful to me to remember it's much more manageable. Those feelings are more manageable when I know that it's not about what the person has done. It's not about even necessarily like splitting the time in half and taking the seven and a half minutes. It's not about their seven and a half minutes either. It's about me recognizing that it's about my feelings about the seven and a half minutes, that those feelings are separate from the seven and a half minutes. Okay. So insight, recognizing that the people you hate the most are mirrors reflecting back to you the things you are most afraid you are. Yeah. Or the parts of yourself, which we all have those parts, the parts of yourself that you are most afraid of. Yeah. Or that you have disavowed most strongly And your identity may feel like it depends on not integrating those aspects of yourself. Shadow is the underlying dynamic in violence against trans women, for example. Yes. That's violence perpetrated by people who have integrated their manly manness Mm -hmm. so deeply that they have had to excise the feminine parts of themselves because to open the door to any feminine part of themselves would dismantle their whole identity to which they have tied themselves and so to see a person walking down the street who like activates the whole narrative of manly manness versus femininity who challenges that challenges this other person's whole sense of themselves and therefore has to be destroyed yep so it would be awesome if the kind of people who would never listen to our podcast could do some shadow work yeah but in the meantime for people who are not you know, violent criminals, we still feel those feelings We just don't act on them. (laughs) At least not, you know, (laughs) it becomes much more pleasant to have the feelings without feeling like you need to stuff them down and hide them to keep yourself from doing something terrible or saying something terrible. And you, you, then you don't feel like you're a terrible person for having these feelings. You feel like you need to stuff down. It's natural. It's a response to your shadow that's been activated. And you can turn toward it. Hey, shadow. Hey. It stops you feeling that sense of urgent, violent rage that is the kind that will make you post something terrible in reply to a Facebook thing or whatever. You probably wouldn't, you know, commit a violent act, but you might say something inappropriate when you... It would do you no good when it would only hurt you. I also we are recording this in the same week that Joe Biden announced Kamala Harris as his running mate. And for the record, because everyone in the left media is pronouncing it incorrectly, it's Kamala. 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 We all got that? Kamala. Okay. It was obvious before it was even announced that she was gonna be a target of misogynoir mm-hmm. in the mainstream media of both deliberate and accidental bullshit because of her intersectional identity as a black woman complicated by her status as the offspring of immigrants and also being mixed race black jamaican and south asian Mm -hmm. like we knew that she was going to experience that but she also there are people on the progressive end of the spectrum who are disappointed that it's Harris because she is uh, pretty moderate in her record. Yeah. And there are people who are not just disappointed, but who hate her. Mm -hmm. They're progressive and hate, hate her. Who would not vote for her and Joe Biden because of how much they hate her? And I would suggest that that is also shadow. Yeah, because it's because go ahead it's irrational it's beyond the intensity that's called for like if you can take like a step back from the situation and view it from a distance you can see that like okay so here is a system in which we dwell where these are the candidates that are going to be on the ballot it's a pretty straightforward decision which one is less terrible yeah like seven and a half minutes right <laughs> yeah <Seven laughs> Just look the difference. Minutes. exactly and, and then if you have like a whole big, ragey feels, what an opportunity for growth. <laughs> that is how grateful we can be to have these uh-huh. mirrors in our lives. There is actually, so there's a Buddhist practice of metta meditation, the loving kindness meditation. I find me- loving kindness meditations really difficult, specifically because I have this person in my life. And you're going to get to the end. Emily will talk about it. But you get to the end. You're supposed to send loving kindness to the, somebody you don't get, like very much. Yeah. Emily's about to go through the details. So, yeah. I find it very difficult because of this individual. You go through a series of people in your life, and I'll talk about uh, who they are in a second. And you wish them some sort of unconditional, positive feeling. It might be joy. It could be love happy, at ease. I love that one. May they be at ease. May they be peaceful and at ease. May they know joy. May they know love. May they know compassion. May they know trust. These are all things you can wish a person in a metta meditation. Uh, and you start out with uh, like a loved one. Somebody who is unambiguously on your team. And it feels so good to wish them peace and love and ease. And then you can go out to... Like a mentor, for example, someone who has gifted you with some part of their wisdom or their time or their support. And again, you're, grand, you're, you're wishing them, may this person be at ease, may they feel compassion, may they know love, may they know joy. And then you go to like an acquaintance or someone you barely know. So like the checkout person at the grocery store or your barista or like my neighbor, I know her a little bit. May she know joy, may she know love, may she know gratitude, may she know compassion, may she be at ease, may she know peace. Right? Feels good. Except now I start to worry, oh no, what if she's a Trump supporter? Do I want to do that to her? Yeah. Unconditional. Unconditional. Yeah. Whoever she, whatever else is true about her, may she know joy, may she be at ease. Yeah. And you go from a person you don't know well to a person who is an enemy. Someone who, so difficult people in your life. Someone who wishes you harm or has done harm to you or to humanity. Yeah. So Amelia's person whom she hates. Yeah. Trump. Yeah. Whoever it is. Yeah. For some people, it's going to be Kamala Harris. Yeah. For some people, it's Joe Biden. Yeah. For some people, it is you and me. Like, I'm sure there's people when they think of us, they're like, "Ah, fuck the bitch, whatever whatever it is I did to you. For what it's worth. (laughs) The woman that I hate definitely hates me, too. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And is never going to engage in a metah meditation where she thinks, may Amelia know peace, may Amelia be at ease, may Amelia know joy, may she know love. But. Never. The one thing that makes me think this is a good thing to do is when I imagine if this person knew love and peace and joy Exactly. Would this person be whacking in the ways that enrage me so much? Exactly. Fuck no. If she knew joy and peace and that she was loved unconditionally, there's there's no way she'd be doing the shit that she does. And we started this with me being like, I don't really understand this shadow thing. And I think I have just realized what it is about the metah meditation that's so powerful. Because this difficult person in our life is actually just a mirror. And what we say in the metah meditation is, I am thankful for this mirror. May this person know love. May they know joy. May they know compassion. May they be at ease. Yeah. Because if they had that... Then they would not be who they are. But also, when I wish this mirror, all those things, I am wishing it for the parts of myself that I have alienated. Exactly. You are turning toward it with kindness and mother-fucking-compassion. Yeah. Goddamn loving kindness. And a lot of people have an even harder time wishing, granting themselves those same things. Oh, yeah. It's, it's much harder. harder. to themselves than even to the person who they hate. Would you say it's harder for you to wish it to the person you hate than it is for yourself, though? No, to wish it for yourself, may no. I know peace, may I know ease. No. But that's because I really hate her. <laughs> but I also, like, I know that if she had those things, she wouldn't be so hateful. So... Deserving of my hate. (laughs) It's so dark and bitter. Like I hate to admit that I have these terrible, but so you have this sort of like complicated (sighs) emotional experience with a loving kindness meditation. That's partly like, if only she knew peace and ease, then she wouldn't be such a fucking (laughs) bitch. (laughs) 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 Yes. Yes, but that is also saying, if only I. Created more space and openness inside me for peace and joy and ease. Then I would not be such a fucking bitch. Yeah. Yeah. And also it hurts me so much to, to wish her ease and peace. Because then it's like saying that part of me that I hate is acceptable, deserves peace deserves ease how can that thing that i hate about myself i, I want to get rid of it i i hate it i want it to be yeah. gone i i, I want to fix it fix myself a sex therapist a friend of mine whom we quote in the book says that compassion is antiseptic in our emotional wounds yeah like it stings like shit and healing hurts like a motherfucker i have been saying for years yeah And so, yeah, if Meta is uncomfortable for you, I know that a lot of meditation reputation is about, like, just being really at peace, just just getting really calm and centered. Oh, yeah. Slow your heart rate. And a lot of people, instead of uh, activating their parasympathetic nervous system, are just engaging freeze. Yeah. They are shutting themselves away from all their big, deep, healthy emotions. I saw a commercial for a meditation app that was all about, like, be at peace, be calm, feel relaxed. And I was like, that is not what meditation's ever like no, for me. Not. Meditation it's- is just like, laying down and crying, basically. Yeah, ugly cry. I can't even be particularly still. I can lie down, but I have to, like, move. Yeah. At the same time, one of the reasons I was intuitively drawn to interventions like somatic experiencing and psychomotor therapies is because my meditation has always... I started practicing meditations when I was 15, but it has always been, like, body scanning and body scanning turns into my body wants to move in a particular way let me move my body in a particular way Mm -hmm. and I'm sort of like expelling this energy that got trapped inside me Mm -hmm. for 30 years that's (laughs) how meditation has been for me crying Mm -hmm. yeah stretching like weird like if anybody walked in on me they'd probably be worried oh yeah The reason we were talking about loving kindness meditation is because, and like, let's just recognize that we have extracted that practice from a broader religious and cultural context, and that's probably not okay. But
1: and it's also
0: is not just from that. I mean, Christians. Well, the specific practice of a of a loving kindness meditation. Yeah, absolutely. But it's. uh... This is just, this feels to me related to the conversation around forgiveness that people often have. And I firmly believe that forgiveness is used as a weapon against people who have been wronged. Yeah. Like in order to like be the bigger person, you have to forgive the other person. And we think our sort of like broad cultural frame is that forgiveness implies letting the person back in your life. And you can forgive people for the harm they have done. Uh, and also not let them back in your life. Those are separate things. It's, again, the difference between dealing with the feelings versus dealing with the problem that caused the feelings. Yeah. Those are two separate things to do. Uh, and forgiveness is about dealing with the feelings, like moving all the way through the harm, the rage that got caused by the harm, the sadness and grief at the loss of the relationship that you thought you had into the peace of here is my new reality. And the thing is, you've moved into a space of a new reality with a total redefinition of your relationship with this person whom you have forgiven. And the process you went through in order to get to that place of forgiveness was to create a lot of space between you and that person. Yeah. So when we say integrate the shadow, we don't mean that you have to either really like that person. No. (laughs) Or or like be kind and generous like you're still in a state of like, like just thinking about her activate some stuff in your body yeah and also you don't have to like become the things like if you are transphobic the solution is not to become trans <laughs> yeah like, sometimes it is the case that transphobia and homophobia are grounded in the fact that your own that is your own identity that you are terrified of yeah. and have to fight against every day yeah and therefore have to, like, like destroy and eliminate people who conform with it. The doth protest too much scenario. Sometimes that's the case. Sometimes it is not the case. And it doesn't mean the person has to become the thing. Or if, like, greed in other people is the thing that activates your stuff, that doesn't mean that the solution is for you to integrate the shadow and become greedy. No. It's just to notice when that energy appears in your life and turn toward it with kindness and compassion which does not mean that your behavior externally can or should change like if you hate trump that doesn't mean become racist (laughs) no and it's it's not even necessarily that they represent something that you hate or want to reject in yourself sometimes it's something that you are that you like but you're not sure that it's the best thing to other people it's going to get you rejected by other people so the thing i'm thinking about now is something specific to me and this person i hate which is that we both have very strong personalities and i have spent some time trying to come to terms with my intense emotional capacity and why it's a strength and does it mean that i'm absolutely 100 percent confident that maybe i still have some paranoia phobia that the intensity and specificity Of my expression of emotion is gonna make people not like me. Yeah. Yeah. So that is also a manifestation of shadow. Yeah. The aspects that we fear are unlikable or make us unlovable. Yeah. Which is what might be the case if your homophobia is a rejection of your own sexuality. Yeah. Yeah. It's not that it's inherently a bad thing, not necessarily greed or Nazism, (laughs) (laughs) or (laughs) prejudice it can also be something that's neutral that and this is not apologism either for any sort of violence or hate we are not again the process of dealing with the stress that gets activated in your bodies is separate from the process of dealing with the thing that caused the stress so the solutions to dealing with racism and xenophobia and homophobia and transphobia and all the rest of it is separate from the process of dealing with your feelings about the stuff, which is why you and I say over and over again, that one of the keys to making the world a better place is for each of us to deal with our own shit, yeah. to turn toward our own stuff and heal it, Yeah. our past traumas and our internalized misogyny and our own like big, deep, old wounds. The more we can heal that stuff, the more we can deal with the external causes of our stress because we're not constantly just trying to tolerate the wounds we're walking around with. Which is why I thought it'd be a good idea to talk about shadow because a lot of liberal people aren't just like loving and warm and welcoming. We're tolerant of everything except intolerance, you know? Right. Not to say that we should be tolerant of intolerance. But the the experience emotionally of fighting Hatred with that of inside the intolerant yourself people. is not yeah. a beneficial emotional experience or state. And it can be helped. You can be soothed. You can be guided toward a better state of mind, a healthier life, more pleasant experience when you recognize that that intense emotional response, when it floods into you, it's not just because somebody did something terrible. It's also potentially, because you're seeing something of yourself that you're afraid of, or that you're afraid other people will see, and you've been reminded of it, and you want to lash out. And I would just like to conclude with a little permission-giving revelation about my own practice of this. There absolutely is a part of me that feels (laughs) self-righteous, When I do, because it's like rising above, when they go low, we go high, Mm -hmm. and I get to feel better about myself (laughs) because I'm the one who turned toward the thing Uh I hate with kindness and compassion, and what are they doing? They're just blindly discriminating against people. They're just blindly hating. They're just blindly, like, requiring huge space and distance between them and whatever it is that we are both terrified of, apparently, because Shadow. Like, so... If there is a part of you that finds that practicing shadow work makes you feel morally superior Mm -hmm. to your shadow, I mean that is that's 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 shadow. (laughs) (laughs) And that's a part of it too. And like, I mean, I enlightened people I'm sure do not feel that way. (laughs) I'm sure fully emotionally developed people can confront their shadow with kindness and compassion and not feel superior to their shadow because of it. Okay. No, I don't think so. I think that, like, Christianity exists as uh-huh. a religion because they mythologized a person who could do that, could turn the other cheek and not feel smug about it. That person was so impressive. They were like, you must be the son of God. <laughs> right. That, I'm that's not, amazing. I, I am not that thing. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think you have to be. Uh, it's perfectly acceptable just to be on the journey. Yeah, but I think it'll make your life easier. Progress your lives easier. Progress, progress, if, not perfection. If yeah, yeah, I think it is a valuable tool in the toolbox for surviving two thousand and twenty. If we're aware that when we have those intense emotional responses, there's something else going beyond, possibly in our minds. In addition just to the action that enraged us, there's stuff underneath that that makes it more intense than we might expect. That's it for this episode of the Feminist Survival Project 2020. You can follow us online on the social medias at FSP2020. And do you have a shadow? Did you already do this work? Are you aware of the person? Have you been thinking this whole time about this person you fucking hate? <laughs> Have you been, like, imagining wishing that person peace and ease and, like, having acid indigestion because of it? <laughs> Let us know. <laughs> at feminist survival Project 2020 at gmail.com. But when I post this on Instagram, just comment on the Instagram post and, like, do not name your shadow the no. individual human. yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm sorry if we gave you indigestion. Sorry. <laughs> Hopefully, next time we won't do that. But the goal was to help people get a bigger insight into the bigness of the feelings we walk around with and strategies for dealing with them. Yeah. So, thanks for listening. For what it's worth, <laughs> the woman that I hate definitely hates me, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> The Feminist Survival Project 2020 is a part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts.